Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode comes with a content warning and brushes up against topics that could be triggering for our audience. You'll find specific details in the show notes. Please take care when listening. of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. Any performer who takes the stage or screen, any artist who creates on canvas or in a photography studio, all artists across the genre spectrum use their body in the pursuit of arts and, let's be honest, in pursuit of the next dollar. Today's guest is the ultimate embodiment of just that. With a background based in classical dance, she's worked the floor and stage consistently, earning her multiple titles such as Miss Nude Australia Entertainer of the Year for 2018 and Miss Nude Australia First Runner-Up 2018 and 2019. A loud advocate for sex work, she's worked tirelessly, bringing these incredible artists to the main stage through shows such as Menagerie and Fantasy Peep Show. Of course, I'm talking about Australia's number one stripper, Frankie Vital. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> you made me sound so good and now I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> the pressure is on. Wait, am I allowed to swear? Oh, hell yeah. Yes! Okay, please good. Please swear. Please swear. <laughs> I think I've only had one person go like, will you bleep that? I'm like, no. Do you know how hard that is? I can't edit. Oh, my God. <laughs> when I edit for YouTube and I have to bleep out my swearing, I bleep it out with... If you've ever watched any of my YouTube videos, now you're going to know what that noise is. I bleep it out with a cut of me moaning during porn. Yes. <laughs> so it's not a real. Demonetize that. <laughs> so far, YouTube hasn't picked up on it and that makes me really happy. That's so good. I love that. I love that so much. Okay. So basic question to start us all off. Why stripping for you? Oh my God. It, that takes me back to like, I've okay. Strippers age in dog years, so I don't want to tell you how long I've been a stripper for because that no. would make me like 60. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but a long time ago, I was working, I worked at the Apple store and then I worked at like a startup um, as kind of a secretary and I was so bored. I'd, made, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd run a couple of startups myself and I was really into like the self-made business kind of thing. I knew mm. I wanted to be my own boss, but I was bored and understimulated and I wasn't getting any of my like creative passions out totally and I also had chronic fatigue syndrome so I was really struggling with like the nine to five 40 hour work week mm. I was taking like one to two days off a week and it just Jesus. wasn't it wasn't sustainable and I was having a lot of health issues and the guy I was dating at the time was absolute piece of shit and the only good thing he ever did was suggest that I become a stripper because he was around a lot of strippers and he was like, you would be really good at it. Like your personality would be very conducive to that environment. Like you like being the center of attention. 
you're always the person that gets up on a table and dances when you're drunk. And I was like, that is true. I do do that. And I love to be naked and take my clothes off. Like I find that really empowering. Mm. And it was something that I like, I'm always in skimpy, provocative outfits. I've always loved to be that person. Why well, today you came in in just a thong and I thought, well, yes, what a show for me. I'm having such a good time over here. <laughs> oh my God. Audio but, medium. I love it. Yes. I'm completely naked right now. Yeah. We lie to the people. It's fun. <laughs> So, and then, like, I did a lot of research on it and I know that a lot of people have that, like, oh, I'm just going to become a stripper thing. Mm -hmm. And I, my story sounds like I did that, but I really didn't. I went and I I read blogs from people who were strippers in multiple different countries. I Instagram stalked a lot of people and, like, messaged them and asked them what it was like. And when I went in and did, like, an audition slash interview, I sat there the whole night and watched how everything happened, like Mm. what the environment was like. And I, the moment I stepped into the club, I'd never been to a strip club before in my life. Like I was 21. Wow. I'd literally never been into a strip club. I'd never been exposed to strip clubs. I'm from a really conservative family. And I walked in and it was, it's the weirdest feeling, but I just felt like I'd found the place that I was supposed to be. Oh, wow. I was like, I get, these are my people. Like they're talking about sexy stuff, like completely uninhibited and women are using their bodies in a provocative way that's empowering where they're in charge of it rather than they're the object. Like they're in control of what's happening and they're making money off it. And then I sat there and I watched the girls that do the shows on stage. This is back when we had shows. COVID (laughs) has like completely ruined the showgirl industry. But there's a thing where you're a showgirl in a strip club where you go on and you do like a themed show and you do like a striptease to a certain like. The one I saw was Allegra King. who mm. She won Miss Pole Dance yes. twice, I believe. And she won Miss Nude Australia a few years after that. And she was like one of the most iconic showgirls because she was kind of the first showgirl to do pole really, really well mm. in our industry and bring those two art forms together. And I watched her do a show and I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Like, I could do that. I used to do ballet. I could do that. Oh, yes. And then I was like, okay, no, I have to do this now. And that was that was it. Then I was, like, addicted to it. <laughs> That's amazing. So when we – just, like, backtracking a little bit, in – you were saying you were completely unexposed to it. You were just you were working these, like, more, like – Conservative. Uh, I'm gonna say tradi- jo- yeah, traditional yeah, 100%. jobs. Yeah, Like, structures. When your ex, like, told you, hey – stripping it's for you what was your initial reaction to that it was kind of mixed because okay at this point in my life I've grown up like a really conservative traditional family Mm. like my my grandfather who recently died and my grandmother are a lord and a lady in England we're like a properly old royal family tree you know what I mean they're very conservative old old Christian values um like I used to think that I wasn't going to have sex before marriage and all of that kind of stuff. Like I was a very conservative person and I only became like an outspoken feminist in uni. <laughs> and then I'd spent my whole uni time and time fresh out of uni in like the startup industry, which is a lot of conservative men. As yeah. much as they're about innovation, it's, yeah, innovation it's men. in their own lane. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're going to do another version of Uber. Like they're very <laughs> – it's like Uber, but like called something else. Yeah, it's Uber, but with limos, which was the original concept for Uber in the first place. Is it was for rich people, yeah. Yeah, literally. So I wasn't super exposed to it. And unfortunately, that partner that I had was the first person that exposed me to like drugs 
and sex workers coming to parties. And he was a really problematic person. Yeah. Drugs and sex workers aren't problematic. The no. way that he and his friends engaged with them were problematic. But by that point, I'd kind of like seen this other side of the world and of like what being an adult means. Mm. And I'd kind of started to delve into that. So I guess I wasn't as shocked by the concept as I could have been. I was like, actually, you kind of have a point because I do like to drink a lot of tequila and get my tits out (laughs) while you have four friends over. Yeah. Because I like the, I liked, honestly, I liked the attention of people being like, wow, you have a great set of tits. And I was like, I know. Thank you. (laughs) Pay me next time. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. So by the time I got to the club, I was like, this is just cool to me and interesting. It wasn't shock value anymore, but that's, there's kind of like two sides of my life that rub up against each other and don't mesh very well and that's always been an issue I've had is like trying to explain the levels of what I do and get like my family and the people close to me in that other side of my life to understand it and interact with it respectfully. It sounds like you didn't have that initial support system of like people in your circle so how did you build that? Well first of all my parents didn't know and (laughs) eventually when I'd been there for a while I told them I told them I was working nights at a bar mm-hmm. and I'd done hospitality work before, so they were cool with that. And then I told them I was working nights at a strip club. So my mum's not dumb. Yeah. Um, and a little time after I'd been a stripper, I like begged and begged and begged. I was like, I want to be a showgirl. Let me enter the next competition. Mm-hmm. And the next competition coming up was Miss New WA. So for those that don't know, in the stripping industry, there's like a micro industry of being a showgirl which is kind of dead now, unfortunately. And then within that, there's like an even more micro industry of being a competitive showgirl. Oh, gosh, niche on niche. It's very niche. And when you try and tell people like that's what I did for a living, they're like, what? It's kind of like Miss Universe where you like get up in a bikini and you get up in a gown and they judge you for literally how hot you are. (laughs) But then you also do like a 15-minute talent show except – 15 minutes. 15 minutes in some cases. Sometimes it's only 12, but I'm used to doing a 15-minute show. At Miss Nude it was 15 minutes. And you would do like stripping, a bit of pole, maybe like a special skill like fire or lira or whatever, and then you traditionally finish with some form of wet show. So I entered Miss Nude, came second, which was like amazing, and for my first competition. Yeah, huge, yeah. And we, there were obviously photos taken that went on the penthouse website. Ah. And then my mum sent me like a screenshot of the penthouse website like a week later and she was like, so you're bartending? I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So that all came out. Yes, I'm bartending. This is tending bar now. Yes, this is what bartending looks like in the year 2005. We're not doing dates. (laughs) It was a long time ago. Anyway. So at first they were really like, they just really didn't get it. And it, unfortunately it wasn't until I started producing my own shows that they've become a lot more, I guess, okay with the idea. It's like now that I'm a legitimate artist producing my own shows, like doing all my costumes and creating all of that, uh, they're much more supportive. Whereas just performing for the sake of getting naked at a strip club, they've never understood. Like no one, apart from my little brother who got horrifically drunk, no, no one in my family has ever even seen me perform. So I'm like, <laughs> I understand that you don't get it, but if you take away the aspect of me taking away off my clothing, which is, of course, really important to mm-hmm. me, the other stuff that I can do is pretty phenomenal and you Every, should come yeah, and watch it. Everything you just listed in terms of like that talent section that you have to do, it was like circus, artistry, tricks and flips 100%. and all of this other stuff. 
on top of doing it nude, which is like a vulnerable position for most people. So and I think on top and top on top. I think a lot of people like the number of pole dancers or burlesque artists or circus performers I speak to that are like, I want to become a stripper. <laughs> and the first thing they always say to me is I did X, Y, Z. So I know I'm going to be good at it. Like I did pole. So I know I'll be good at it. And I'm like, oh, honey, mm. that's not not to hate on any pole dancers <laughs> out there that want to become strippers. The two skills are not interchangeable. When I started, I didn't do any pole. And when I went to, when I came second in Miss Newt WA and when I got to the top eight and came fifth in my first Miss Newt Australia, I did one pole move and it was a sit around the pole, like the most basic, <laughs> like you hold onto the pole, you sit and you spin. Right. So it's it. like second only to like just maybe holding on the pole and doing a circle walking around. Correct. <laughs> Look, I also did that. Great. Dude, that's two tricks. <laughs> so I'm like, it's not. It's such a different skill mm. to be able to get on stage and obviously perform and control an audience. That kind of comes across the board. But to be able to take your clothes off skillfully mm. and sexily while maintaining your composure and controlling the audience and having a character or a storyline or whatever and keeping an eye out in the case of strip club for someone trying to steal your underwear or finger you. Jesus. Like that's a, a much higher skill level. Mm. And also none of those things make you a good stripper. I'm like not – I'm the world's – the world's – the country's best stripper in terms of performing, sure. But when you take me into the club, sometimes I am so fucking useless. Being a good performer does not make you a good stripper because the majority of the time when you're stripping, you're walking up to people you've never met and trying to convince them to spend hundreds of dollars on you mm. for yeah. something they can get on the internet for free. And that's a really hard thing to sell for the majority of people. So whenever someone's like, I could just like be a stripper, I'm like, insert eye roll here. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm going to keep the silence here. <laughs> I'm just going to have the silent moment. Everyone can be like, yeah, exactly. Whatever you're picturing, that's what it is. Just imagine my eyes rolling into the back of my head, me unzipping my skin suit. No. <laughs> oh, and that's why you came in here naked, was yeah, to undo the so, skin suit, of course. <laughs> um, okay, so how did you find, like, other like-minded performers in your space then? Because obviously you didn't initially have, like, even that circle. No. So one of the uh, – and something I really miss because of COVID, again, is that the biggest part of my life for the first like five years of my career was competing. Mm. So I, at first it was just doing like Miss Nude, which is basically the country's biggest competition or, yeah. or it was the country's biggest and most prestigious competition. I personally feel like now because it's conducted online and voted on by the public that that's not really the title that it used to be mm. because it just becomes a popularity contest and not about like actual skill. But going to those competitions and going to stuff like Exotic Angels, which was on the Gold Coast, like I went to Canberra for a bunch of different ones. I even went to Vegas for a Miss Nude World one year and like going to Melbourne for a Miss Nude World and all that sort of stuff. And like being backstage with all of the girls and like mm. for the most part, you'd expect it to be really bitchy and it did used to be in the good old days. But <laughs> for, for my part, like, Two of two of the people that are in my wedding party are bridesmaids for me, are people that I met through competitions. And they're people that I'm still really good friends with that I've competed against countless times. Yeah. Because you just 
we're all good in different ways and you help each other make your shows better and when there's a crisis you're the one rooting for someone like you're the one that notices when your friend's show goes wrong because her costume's caught on her heel mm. or like the lighting's not right and you run over and yell at the DJ because they <laughs> fucked it up and they played the wrong music or whatever yeah. it is so like that kind of community of people within the industry and within that specific niche kind of came along naturally as I started traveling and competing yeah. But I've also kind of always been a bit of a loner. I kind of just sit at home with my cats and sit on TikTok or Tumblr <laughs> or whatever it is. Tumblr, that shows how old I am. <laughs> Tumblr now still? Didn't do we you guys, even, not still, but do bin? you guys remember Tumblr? Yeah. Yeah. But when I was on Tumblr, it was like to post like Harry Potter pictures. And we don't do that now either. No, of course. Yeah. No, because JK Rowling's a transpo. Yep. Oh, put her in the bin. You do start to find people within your niche, like with any job. When you start a new job, you have coworkers you don't like or don't get on with, but you find coworkers that are like you. And mm. the great thing about stripping is that so many of the people in the industry with you are like you in some way. Yes. Because you've all been drawn to this really specific job for a reason. Yeah. And then if you're in the niche on niche section of competing. Yeah. We all get each other because, and we send each other tracks that we want to perform to and be like, do you think this would work for like this? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. You could do this, this. Like we have this own little thing going on and it's really cute. That's super cool. So how did you then take like this group that you'd establish and then move it into more, I'm going to call it more like classical performance settings? Yeah. So my... I guess my biggest frustration with always being a, with being a showgirl mm. in that sense was that unless you walk into the club on the night of Miss Nude Australia, you don't get to see the best shows in the country yeah. from strippers. Because even the shows that girls do, there's still a lot of clubs, especially over east, like Men's Gallery and The Vault in Toowoomba and, God, so many others where they have showgirls that perform every single night yeah. and do amazing shows. But they're like probably the abbreviated, toned down version. When you go to Miss Nude Australia, you bring, like I'm talking, you would have confetti and glow paint and sparklers and you'd be on the lira and then you'd be doing gymnastics and then you'd be on the pole and you have dry ice everywhere. Like wow, in one act, that's just yeah. like one person. It is the pageantry. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a big thing. So unless you walk in on that night, you don't get to see what people in my industry are capable of mm. and that and that was really frustrating for me but also I don't get to do that night after night yeah. like I don't get to do that in my home club at all anymore because we don't do shows like we've just completely axed it because of COVID mm. so when that kind of happened I had this idea and I was like what if I just did my own show that I was the star of and I turned my shows into what I actually want them to be mm. because I've always been the kind of weirdo in the stripping community where everyone else is doing like a typical stripper show and I'm like I'm gonna do Pirates of the Caribbean but it's all to the classical <laughs> Hans Zimmer Pirates of the Caribbean yes, score that makes me happy yeah I like honestly I think I was the first person ever to perform at Miss Nude Australia just just classical score. oh yeah like that song that's that act didn't have any words in it like no lyrics, no, it was just that music. And I came second that year. Awesome. I was like, I want to turn these shows into what they could actually be beyond just stripping, mm. but keep that element too. Yes. So like some of the shows can actually be dark and gory and horrific in a way that I wouldn't do in a strip club because straight men would be like, ew, there's blood on her. That's not sexy. <laughs> yes. Whereas the gays are like, fuck it up. <laughs> 
Yeah, of course. Like yeah. no one goes harder for my little fact than gay people. They're like, <laughs> we feel you. <laughs> I love that. So then it became like what what each act was actually supposed to be at its core and at its inspiration mm. instead of going down the typical, I guess like heteronormative stereotypical route of what you're supposed to do in a strip club that men find attractive. Yes, yeah. Because my audience is a lot bigger than that. And I was always pushing that boundary anyway in mm. the club, but – I was like, I want to do more. Like, I'm capable of more. Totally. And I felt very limited by just doing it in that specific setting. So then I was like, well, I'm just going to go do this myself. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> I always love that attitude. There's so many people who come on and are just like, well, it wasn't being done. And so I have to go do it. The end. Thank you so much for being on my show. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, like, I'm a hopeless, self confessed narcissist. Like, I love being the star of my own show. And oh, I was yeah. like, the reason I left ballet is I was like, I'm never going to be good enough to be a prima ballerina. Like, I didn't have the <laughs> technique. I'd gotten boobs. So That's it, illegal, so you got to go. That was illegal. So it was never going to happen. And I was like, I don't want to spend 20 years in a, in the court of ballet. Mm. That's soul-crushingly boring to me for a lot of hard work and not a lot of money. I was like, yeah. I want to be the star. I was like, the only way that I'm going to get to be the star in the kind of production that I want to do that is nude and is fully adult entertainment mm. and is queer friendly and is sex worker friendly mm. is if I do it myself because no one else is doing it. Interesting point that you just made there was that like work that's being put on in a strip club is not necessarily sex worker friendly and I think that's really important. Yeah and even just in the main industry but yeah 100% like I do feel sometimes like the acts that we create as showgirls while we have our own agency and obviously we love performing them mm. they are really catered to what we think straight men are going to enjoy yeah and strip clubs in general are catered to what we think straight men are going to enjoy yeah and we're very very good at doing that but I think it's well past time that we recognize that the nude form is not just enjoyed by straight men totally yeah and that it doesn't just need to be cis women mm. either or cis men like it's my I'd love one day to have enough money to open a strip club that has people of all genders and like bodies mm. represented where all audiences are welcome because a lot of strip clubs are only open to one specific gender like you can't go in if you're uh, a guy course, yeah Our, the club I work everyone's welcome which is really nice but all of the performers are cis women mm. So, and I know, I know a lot of, a lot of performers in the Australian industry that perform being a straight cis woman for work. Right. Yeah. But either aren't straight, aren't cis or both. Yeah. So there's definitely space there for it. And I just felt like it wasn't being recognized as much. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do my own thing now. Bye. Yeah, of course. Do you think that had like something to do with the judging panels too? Like, so if the people who are judging you are straight cis men, then that's probably what you're going to perform to as well. Yeah. Well, I always, and I think the good thing about something like Miss Nude is that the judging panel was typically, usually there'd be at least one gay person on there. Like there's this an ama amazing lesbian DJ in Adelaide that was like almost always on the panel <laughs> and there'd be like someone from like a gym and then there'd be like a burlesque dancer yeah. or like a pole studio owner and then like maybe a former winner or someone who's competed a lot and kind of like understands the pageant industry. Oh cool, that's a very different panel to what I think yeah, a lot of people it's imagine. It's usually yeah. pretty well represented but the problem is is that the score sheet isn't mm. like usually you're judged I think at Miss Nude you're judged on eight things and it's like 
body, beauty, sex appeal, like your theme music costume is one. Right. When's the uh, talent, the abilities? Then you <laughs> then you have like talent slash dance skill. Mm. Then you have pole. Okay. Then you have your wet show and then you have your ability to entertain. Right. Okay. So, so, so much of what you you do would just fall under ability to entertain. Yeah. Or, yeah. or talent and yeah. skill. And that's only, and that's why when I coach people now for competitions like that, I'm like, at the end of the day, if you're going to do three different things like flamethrowing and juggling, take two of them out because mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. No one cares at the end of the day. Really and sad. I was like, I, like, I'm so grateful that I came second so many times, mm. but I know ne- I never won any of those big competitions. I mean, I, I won Miss Firm, but. I never, I never won Miss Nude and for years I like beat myself up about it. And I was like, at the end of the day, I don't know if I'm ever going to win those competitions because I don't fit into the box of what a good stereotypical showgirl right. looks like. And that's those people that do perform that really well, that is not a bad thing. Mm. I'm also capable of doing that. Yes. I just don't want to. <laughs> yeah, which is totally fair I'm and like, valid. I want to twerk to the Pirates of the Caribbean theme and you can't <laughs> stop me. <laughs> And nobody should. On that, we're going to go to our first little break. And we come back, I'd love to talk more about the local art scene and how we can improve it. Yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back. I'm still joined by the incredible Frankie Donald. <laughs> you're going to make me restart. Oh, you're giggling. Oh, that's great. Okay, we're going to dive straight in Do to it. a question from one of our incredible listeners. Uh, remember, everyone, if you want to ask one of our fantastic artists a question, you can email us, waexposepod at gmail.com. This one says, hey, Aria, love the show. I kept that bit in because it was nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm learning so much. You recently had Lolly Moon on the show who connected the dots between stripping and burlesque. I know I sound dumb, but I've never drawn that comparison before. If you have anyone on who can speak to it, I'd love to know more about what mainstream deems as acceptable forms of stripping and why in 2022 we still have these differences. Thank you, Aurora, she, her, not my real name. That's a lot, but you are the right person. (laughs) Well, I hope so. So here's the thing. Let's dive right in. First of all, I'm not super educated on the foundations of drag, ballroom, or burlesque. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I know more about stripping, but I think it's really important for everyone to know that the majority of those art forms Mm -hmm. stems in some way from sex work. Like, 
people who were performing burlesque back in the day, I would consider that a form of sex work because at the time it was, even if they weren't doing full service or anything like that, at the time being that kind of performer was in its own way like so risque and so taboo that it kind of falls under the sex work umbrella. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that a lot of people who were engaging in those art forms were probably either inspired by or engaging with or fetishizing and performing sex work yes. in some way. And I think it's really important for the burlesque community to understand that burlesque, especially nowadays at its core, draws from what sex workers do and the art of striptease, but in a way that's like sanitized and deemed acceptable by the general public. Like thanks to people like Dita Von Teese and all these major burlesque stars, burlesque is just a thing. Everyone wants to do burlesque now. Yeah, sure did it. Now it's cool. Yeah, Yeah, literally. And, And I do have a frustration that a lot of strippers also seem to think that burlesque is just something that you do when you retire from stripping. Oof, And it's it's not. Um, I know a few strippers that have just become burlesque dancers and one girl did say to me, oh, it's so nice that you're moving into burlesque. And I was like, I'm not a burlesque dancer. Mm. I I don't know anything about the history, the style, like the genre. I'm not trained in that regard. So I'm not a burlesque dancer. I draw a lot of inspiration from different things. Like I do fan dancing quite badly and a bunch (laughs) of other stuff, but I'm not a burlesque dancer. And it's important to have that distinction. But that goes both ways. Um, Lotta Lamore told me recently that when she did an Agatha Frisky workshop, Agatha sat everything de- everyone down and was like, it's really important for you to understand that we are appropriating sex work in a way. Yeah. And that every time you put on a pair of pleasers, you are appropriating sex work mm. and you need to be respectful of our sisters in that community because at the end of the day, if you're a burlesque dancer, you're probably not discriminated against as much it's very body positive and you're allowed to perform everywhere. Like look at Fringe. Yeah. How many of the performers in Fringe are burlesque performers? Almost everyone. How many performers at Fringe are actual sex workers? I genuinely, if you are a performer at Fringe who is a full service sex worker, then I apologise. But as far as I am aware, there's probably like two or three of us that mm-hmm. are still currently sex workers. And I'm not a full service sex worker, but I do do porn and I do do fully nude OnlyFans content Mm -hmm. and I do strip and I do perform. So I would consider myself a sex worker in all of those regards. So I just, I think it's really important that we understand that there's a distinction between the two styles, Mm. but that burlesque draws from sex work a lot and that whitewashing is the wrong word because it's not whitewashing, Mm. but it, it sanitizes that art form in a way that it's acceptable to the public Meanwhile, people who are actual sex workers like me, like I can't advertise my fringe shows online at all. No, no I can't do any paid advertising. Yes. Yeah. Because everything gets taken down. The majority of my posts about the show that are free get taken <laughs> down. Whereas every burlesque show can pay $5 and put that out on Facebook. Yeah. So I think it's really important if you are in the burlesque community to acknowledge that your life is probably a lot easier in many ways and that you're privileged to be able to draw from another art form and not experience the stigma and the discrimination that people in that art form experience. And that goes the same for like doing any of those art forms and not being a person of colour or not being queer or not being plus size. But I think 
we're a lot more aware of those issues. The sex work stuff gets brushed under the carpet mm. and it just makes my blood boil. Yeah. Because there's so many shows, there are so many shows that draw on sex work as inspiration for storylines, for plot pieces that use someone plays a sex worker as a character and no one stands up at the end of the show and says this many sex workers were murdered this year. Yeah. Or this much profit profit of the show is going to sex workers. And I'm like probably the only show that stands up and goes, I am a sex worker and it's really important that we stop discriminating against sex workers. And it just, I don't know, it just makes me so annoyed. I also think it's really important that people in the pole dance community understand that as well mm. because the, the not a stripper thing in the pole dance community has been going on endlessly for so long. And yeah. I'm like, you're literally wearing stripper shoes. How do you not understand that that is... Yeah, Inter- they're all interlocked. It's when they all became. Um, I had this conversation with obviously with Nia as well, who is the founder of um, Perth like, Twerk Noir. Mm. Um, absolutely incredible human who would be like, and then all of these twerk fitness classes came out, and suddenly it was okay. Yeah, it's very much a similar thing. A bunch of pole fitness classes yep. are, are a thing now, and now it's fine. And we also have to acknowledge that something like twerking is a dance form that was created and popularised by black creators mm-hmm. and black performers and it's now so many white people doing it. Yes. And, like, I I know that when I'm performing it that I am drawing from someone else's dance style mm-hmm. and it's important to me that I remember that but I don't think a lot of other people, like, you don't have to, st- well, I don't think you don't have to stand up at the end of every show and be like, I did this, this and this and these all draw inspiration from these people. It's mm. just important to be respectful and have that in your mind so that you don't, do something ignorant or problematic. Oh, totally. I kind of wonder if we should think of it sort of the way that like a chef does when creating a dish. It's yeah. like, yeah, this was inspired by a bunch of different places. I, I know that and I know my history of these ingredients and I understand what I'm putting together and presenting to you. And I'm paying all of these communities a dollar figure or like a homage in some sort of way to pay respect for that. I don't have to be like, and here is your stroganoff and here's a list of the ingredients and the places I stole it from. Like when I go and learn a pole routine or a circus routine, I go and pay experts to teach me how to Mm -hmm. do that. So if you're someone that wants to learn how to strip, please go and pay a stripper. (laughs) Shocking, yeah. (laughs) Because all of y'all will pay pole dancers and you'll pay burlesque dancers and you'll pay whoever, but then you think you can just come into the club and be a stripper and learn all of our skills for free. Mm. And that's, no, pay us. <laughs> we like money. That's why we became strippers. <laughs> the whole point of this was to get paid. Yeah, Specifically pay me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm for that. We but should yeah. definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> Rant. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. We love we love ranting here. So taking that like as the basis for this next question, what can we do in the Perth arts community scene to better improve our relationship with sex workers and to include sex workers more in our scene? I think, look, this is a hard one for me to answer because at the end of the day, I'm not a full service sex worker. Of course. I think it's really important that as performers and that the whole WA arts community we stop putting on shows or using characters or plot lines where full-service sex workers are a plot device Mm. without any consultation with that community, without any acknowledgement of that community or the struggles that they face. Like, we all remember when there was that stupid girls' night out movie or whatever it was called where a stripper was killed and it was used yeah. as like a plot device. 
that's what I always think the feminism. about. Feminism, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, that's what I always think about. Like, and that comes down to like male strippers as well and male sex workers. Like, if you're going to write a show where sex work is prominent or included in any way, you should probably go and talk to a full service sex worker and pay them for their time and be like, is this accurate? Do you think this is an acceptable representation of your community? Mm. Do you think that any problems would arise from that? The same way that if I was going to do, well, I would never do a tribal number. Yeah. If we take, for example, my Lilith show, Mm -hmm. because it's rooted in folklore and like, what's the right word for it? Like superstition, paganism, Christianity. Yeah. I always try to keep in the back of my mind that there is no way that, I mean, I don't care if I annoy Christians. I always try to keep in my mind that there's nothing that I do in that show that would seem like it was appropriating tribal culture or or making people of colour uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't want to do anything that makes it look like I'm mimicking some whitewashed version of a human sacrificial Mayan ritual Mm. or something. Because I don't want to do something offensive and make people uncomfortable for the wrong reasons. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's just really important to keep sex work as prominently in your mind as you would being inclusive of people of colour and people who are queer and people who are plus size. Yep. Because we're, we're really good at that in the WA arts community. We're really, really bad at making sure that actual sex workers are acknowledged and are paid yeah. for their time. And at the end of the day, Fringe and shows like it and festivals like it are about supporting artists on the fringe of the community, not in the mainstream. Totally. And nowadays, the majority of artists that are on the fringe are still sex workers. Like, we have such a huge space for celebrating people of colour and people who are trans and people who are queer and people who are plus size or just have different bodies. We're really not good at supporting and appreciating sex workers, even though it's a booming industry that that seeps into every part of our culture. Mm. Like you'd be hard pressed to to look at a show that doesn't in some way draw from aspects of sex work. You'd be hard pressed not to listen to a piece of music that doesn't draw from sex worker culture, for sure. Yeah, yeah. like they're in the back of every music video, mm-hmm. they're in scenes in movies, and mm-hmm. we all know how problematic that is, yeah. you know what I mean? But we still do it because it's kind of this invisible thing. And unfortunately in our community, in the sex worker community, it's still really hard to be vocal about the problems in our own community. Like Mm. there are specific issues I have with things that have gone on recently with other shows, with big industry events that will be unnamed that I would like personally to say, hey, this is really problematic. It's not okay. Like I don't feel safe in this environment as a sex worker and this is supposed to be an event about sex work. We have this like cancel culture still within the sex work community where people who do speak out are viewed as like problems and they're mm. just iced out of it's the whole thing. the whistleblower sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, very that. And I have this huge imposter syndrome about my own power in the community. So I don't I don't want to be that person that calls it out. It's very hard to be the first person to stand up and be like, this isn't okay yeah. for all of these reasons. Like the way I want to do a whole YouTube video about some <laughs> of the stuff that recently happened to me and how it's not okay. Mm. But I'm really afraid to do it because the sex worker industry in particular thrives 
by pushing women and sex workers down and forcing them to be silent. Like you've got to remember that in, in clubs, like in strip clubs, in brothels, all of those things, you can just get fired and you're yeah. not welcome back for any reason. Like it doesn't matter if a customer, if a customer was problematic to you and you punched him in the face, which I've done a few times, <laughs> you're the one that gets in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and that culture kind of permeates everywhere. So I think it's really important for creatives and performers to remember that you have privileges and voices that sex workers still don't have and you need to use those voices to amplify theirs rather than squash theirs. Mm. And I really appreciate you saying that because it's on top of all of this like pushing down of sex workers is on top of the censorship that they already face online. As yeah, as, as well. sex workers, so it's, yeah. it's an additional on top of something else that yeah. it is a cultural thing as well. We we already push down on mainstream and we push down in the own community. So there's yeah, I would say an opportunity for the rest of us, for other artists to assist in being that like voice. lift us up a hundred percent. And that's and that goes even more for people in the sex work community who are transgender, who are non-binary, who are queer, who are plus size, who are people of colour. Mm-hmm. Like in Australia particularly, we in, in America from my travels and from what I've seen online, there's a, a, a much bigger representation of people of colour yeah. in strip clubs. And that's because women of colour founded the stripping industry <laughs> yes. that we have today which is another thing that really frustrates me. But inside the stripping community, you would be shocked at the level of racism, transphobia, whorephobia, mm. queerphobia. Like, it's wild. The, like, the stuff that strippers say about full-service sex workers, Ooh. yeah, it's really not nice. I'm like, I don't understand why you think that you're better than her because you both make money out of your body in different ways. Like, mm. why is that... It's, which is exactly why I said it in my intro, which yeah. is exactly why I wrote that down. Which yeah, is like I love every it. Every single one of us. We all make money by using our body in Completely. some way. Completely. So yeah, I think it would be, it would be really nice. I would really appreciate personally having other people in the community amplify my voice, mm. but also look to the sex workers that don't have a platform that I have and that goes for other sex workers. Like if you want to reach out to me and you have something that you want to say that you don't have a platform that you you feel that something needs to be said, please God reach out to me so that I can say it for you mm. or help you say it. And that's kind of one of the reasons I created Menagerie is because I was like, I can see the, the whole ethos of Menagerie is that I feel like I'm in a gilded cage yeah, where I'm like fetishized and I'm this fantasy but no one wants to hear what I have to say. Mm. And that's kind of the endless plight of the sex worker is that you are still just an object, but you're not allowed to speak. No, no one cares about your opinion. And I feel still in the community that there's a lot of performers that are underrated that are too different. Yeah. That are like, you're too queer or you're <laughs> too, you're performing gender, but not in a way that drag normally, drag performers normally perform gender. Mm. You're performing gender differently. So that menagerie kind of became like a, I see you because I feel like we're in the same boat a little yeah. bit. So it would, be, it would be really nice to have creatives out there kind of start realising this unconscious bias that you might have against sex work or this blindness or ignorance you might have around sex work and thinking about how you can pay the rent 
all amplify those voices. Totally. And speaking of Menagerie and all of the incredible shows you produce, we've unfortunately come to the end of this. So you have to tell us all of your pluggables and where people can find you. Oh my God. Um, So you can follow me on Instagram at the Frankie Factor. And that has links to like all my other social media, but I don't really post on them much. Um, you can go to my OnlyFans and watch all of my porn. Do it. Um, which is OnlyFans.com slash The Frankie Factor and look at all my nudes. And then this fringe season, I have an absolutely massive fringe wide season. So you can come and see the shows any night and still go and see all of your other shows because we go across the whole season. We're doing a new, bigger, better revamped menagerie and fantasy is getting so big it's absolutely just an uncontrollable behemoth of a show like awesome if you saw fantasy last year come come, back come back (laughs) and if you didn't see fantasy just come it's I like you will come physically there we go it's so good there we go so excited well you'll find these links in the show notes and as always if you like this podcast you can like us on social media rate and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com and we'll ask our next incredible guest thank you frankie for joining me and thank you everybody for listening thank you for having me thank you for listening and thank you for giving a sex worker an opportunity to speak WA Exposé is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Exposé. But that's, it, there's kind of like two sides of my life that rub up against each other. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.